I'm moving out, out, moving up, moving on, moving, moving, moving right to the top, moving out, moving on, moving up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Move me, move me, move me right to the top. Step into the bad side. Ooh, 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 step into the bad side. Gonna take me right, me right. The smile I had is gone away. Those the smoke are gonna pay. Smoke within the bedside. To wake and make we be more. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. What's up, Drew? What's up, Geronimo? Good morning to you, my good people. I'm a little hot here. Let me turn myself down just a tad. Just a little bit on the semi on the Timmy Tow. You feel me? Uh, good morning to everybody. Good morning, good morning. Got some interesting things we want to talk about this morning. The lady of the house still sleep. Still sleep. She on the way, though. She on the way, though. The lady of the house has informed me and let me let you know that she is on the way. She got stuck in traffic, if you will. <laughs> stuck in traffic. What's up, Janelle? Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Great things we want to talk about this morning. Um, I have something in particular that's on the top of my mind. Uh, but I, the lady of the house, again, is... Uh, uh, it's coming late through traffic right now, huh? You was, you was coming late through traffic. You know what I'm saying you got stuck on the 105. No, you weren't stuck on the 105. Where, where was you at? Oh, you gotta take it back. You was in there all peaceful. I ain't want to wake you up. No, I'm just going to wake you up with my voice. <laughs> good morning, good morning, good morning. Let me get you on the line, lady of the house, see if people can hear you. They can't hear you right now. Say good morning to the people. Good morning. Want to say it again? Hello. You gotta get closer to the mic. Good morning. What's up? There we go. There we go. Good morning, good people. Yes, with the lady house, she said, I'm about to go lay down. You forgot the ad libs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go lay down. Charlie! Good morning to you, Charlie. Good morning, good morning. Uh, B, what's poppin'? Great things we want to talk about this morning. I, uh, If I was a better podcaster, I'd have had this clip for you 
at the moment, but I want to show you uh, the, lady in the, the lady in the house and I, we fell upon this clip from the Twitter. Not from the Twitter. It's from Twitter, but it came from the TikTok. Uh, we found this video, and maybe I can just play the audio for you, and that'll work out well. If it don't work out well, y'all people let me know. Here we go. Let me see what my man says. Slavery was pretty wild. If you was a white person, you could smoke somebody, get away with it. You could rape somebody, get away with it. If you was a black person, we indulged in a little cocaine, uh, had sex with your mama, made it illegal to read, write, and laugh. All right, here's the part I like. Self-expression like laughter was prohibited on a plantation because white people believed that this would increase the chances of a rebellion. A solution to this injustice would be the incorporation of laughing barrels. So on the plantation, when we found something funny, what we would do is we would sprint to the barrel, we would throw our head in it, laugh, come up with a straight face. And so this tradition continued during Jim Crow because it became illegal for a black person to laugh at an officer. It was illegal for a black person to laugh in the courts, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so because of these laws and these traditions, this may be why black people run when we laugh. So we know the law called more, slavery more. was pretty wild. If you was a white person, you could smoke somebody, get away with it. How many of us know? I'm talking to the lady of the house. How, how many of us know people who when they get to laughing, they get to running? Yeah. You know these people? Mm-hmm. Who are these folks in your life? Black people. Okay, you got any specifics? Any specific black folks? All black folks run when they... Pretty much, yeah. If we, like, standing outside in a group, everybody runs their separate ways. And where did we learn this running from? It's just embedded within us. Well, it's not genetic, is it? Yeah. Well, not like like we do this because of a genetic reason, but... I think it's because of what he just explained that it's been passed down and we don't even know why we do it. So interesting. So interesting. Uh, Good morning, Micah. Uh, uh, For the people who are just joining us right now, ran into a TikTok over the weekend. The TikTok basically outlined the illegality of laughter on the plantation and the illegality of laughter within the Jim Crow era which means it was also illegal during the Niagara movement, also illegal during Reconstructive Era, during the Civil War, all these things. Um, on this show, I feel like, now, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, on this show, I feel like we have done the work of investigating some of the cultural practices that we as black folks participate in. Um, When we truly look at some of these cultural practices, we realize that some of them are rooted, most of them are rooted in trauma or a response to trauma or a response to oppression or a response to marginalization, et cetera, et cetera. Excuse me. This laughing barrel thing throws it back into my face to realize how damaging some of these practices are. Mm. Even within our most our most joyous moment, the thing that we find 
joyous, even how we participate in that joy has been affected by trauma. And so the question that I keep, um, the question that I keep coming back to, uh, I, I'm reading Afro-pessimism, I'm reading Cast, I'm watching my narrative videos, I'm listening to my Malcolm Gladwells. I feel like I'm doing at least a minimum of the intellectual work. But the question that I always come back to is, when we find liberation, when the revolution comes, as the, as the folks in the 70s come, say, when a revolution comes, does that mean we stop running when we laugh? Hmm. I got to get some shea butter and a weed jar. I'll be right back. Talk to the people, sweetheart. They missed you. Okay. Uh, what you think? I mean, I feel like it's something that we'll have to actively unlearn, like... Just because the revolution begins doesn't mean that we're naturally going to be like, okay, I'm going to stop running while, while I laugh, you know? Like we're going to have to actively train ourselves not to do that. So answer this, answer this for me, uh, lady of the house. The people can't hear me. So answer this for three seconds. Um, so, oh, no, no, I come over. So you and your niggas, y'all at the y'all at the kickback, right? Your niggas is nigging, you know what I'm saying? Not male niggas nigging, just niggas nigging out here playing spades or whatever. And somebody tell a really good joke, and three people get to laughing. What are you gonna do in the situation? Are you gonna be like, hey, my nigga, stay still. You gonna grab him by the arm, sit down. You gonna tell him, hey, nigga, you can laugh here. It's all good. I mean, maybe, but it would have to start with the conversation of why we run and we laugh. You know, you know what I've tried to do in, in kickbacks and parties several times that it doesn't seem to work out well. Mm. Have uh, culturally relevant conversations. Maybe, maybe like game night when everybody's drunk is not the right time. Okay. Maybe, but on the. Uh, if you're just joining us, we're having a, uh, matter of fact, let me see if I can put this on the TV. If you're just joining us, we're having a very uh, uh, interesting question about the history of laughter and why black folks run when they laugh. Finds out that the reason why we learn, run while we laugh is to learn practice uh, uh, as a response to trauma and safety from the illegality of laughter from the 60s and 70s to the illegality of laughter all the way down to the plantation. So essentially, uh, uh, Essentially, when you see black folks running while laughing, you are seeing a remnant of slavery. Am, am, is that is that too much? No. Do people think about it like that in that way? It's like when you see these big ass niggas on the NFL field, like you realize these are remnants of slavery. I'm not calling my men slave. They young billionaires out here, millionaires out here. You know what I find interesting about the NFL players? Listen, the NFL players. Um, on a large scale, and I hate talking about this because niggas come out the woodwork, and I hate having this conversation in public, but I'm having it right now anyway. This is Wake and Bake with BMO. Um, uh, 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 um, the NFL players are not taking the vaccine. Yeah, or the Marines. Or the Marines. Yeah. Hmm. 
That's all I'm gonna say about that because niggas get to arguing about that, about the vaccine, and I don't have time for it. I don't got time for it. Um, oh, we need to put this up on the what? Get the remote, sweetheart. See, I, I'm I'm so lost without you. Okay. <laughs> God only knows what I'd be without you. God only knows what. God only knows. You know, it's the Beach Boys. Not the Beatles. Not the Beatles. The Beach Boys. Okay. Not the Monkees. <laughs> the Beach Boys. So as we are trying, as we are coming up with new blueprints, though, like this, uh, let me not, let me stay on subject. As we are coming up with new with new blueprints, though, uh, how will we instruct our niggas to stay still when they laughing? You know, niggas don't want to hear shit. Let's read some of these comments, sweet thing. Oh, Shannon, Danny, Danny, good morning, Michael. Good morning to you. Finally get my oh Reed. Good morning to you. Oh, man, I was supposed to call that nigga when I was in fucking Atlanta. You supposed to call Reed. I was supposed to call Reed. <laughs> <laughs> It's about business. <laughs> get, the car. To, get the car. I'm supposed to call Reed. My bad, man. Damn. Go ahead. What'd you see? Does it, does it start here? Uh, I guess. I don't know. You know, I'm not good at the comments. You gotta keep going. Okay. Um, Drew says it was also illegal for black men and women to show affection to one another from holding hands to kissing in public. Really? I wonder if that's why. Why would? I was going to say, I don't really see a lot of black people, you know, doing PDA and, like, showing affection in public. Okay. Just saying everybody's business. <laughs> but maybe also trauma. I just think it ain't everybody's business, but also trauma. How was the last time I seen a black couple hugged up in public? Right now, Alexandria. True. But it's Alexandria. Right. What else we got going on? Here, you take it out pass with that. God only knows what I'd be without you. God only knows what I... God only knows. Um, Geronimo says you're reading Afro-pessimism. That's definitely a conversation to have, too. Bro, the the thought that... um, The thought that the suffering of African peoples... As the central motif for America, it just makes sense. I don't even know if it's a pessimistic thought, but I guess it's a great title. Let's keep going. I call Reed. Mm. Never thought, Janessa, I never thought of it as something negative. It's something only our culture does, and it brings me joy. Now I feel like I shouldn't consciously not do it. Now I feel like I shouldn't consciously not do it. But aren't you subconsciously still practicing the laughing barrel experience? Because there is an argument. I will agree, Janelle. There's, there is an argument that, like, just because, just because it's something that we do doesn't mean it's the thing that it once represented. Yeah. Like when uh, uh, my mom was on here when we were having the the proposal conversation and we were talking about if proposals as a surprise were inherently uh, patriarchal Mm -hmm. and weddings as well like the symbols behind weddings etc etc and when my mom called me later that evening because that's what she tends to do when she doesn't agree with everything that's on the show she called me later that evening she said why don't some people just do things 
and assign their own meaning to it, although it might be replicated practices from the past? That's a good question. Perfect example is words. The greatest, like the greatest example of how words have changed and flipped all of society is nigga. It's the greatest word in the English dictionary, in the English language. No other word that and the other F word that I won't even say. That's crazy. So maybe it's better than nigga. But there's the other F word that I want to say. These words have transformed uh, societies. Um, but are the do we do things regardless of their history with our own practices? And should that count as differentiated culture? So a subset of culture? So like... like- changing the meaning would that make it its own culture yeah yeah but what is the current meaning of niggas running when they laugh do we know because if it's because if the current meaning is bred in ignorance then our current practice should not be supported that's true I don't know. We just do. I don't think these are things that we can lean on because who we just are could be a product of oppression. Just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. An unactivated black population is an oppressed black population. Is that a wrong thing to say? I don't think so. No. You try doing nothing uh, in your black ass space and see if you don't get redlined. You oh shit, you've been redlined, never mind. In your black ass space. Mm. Mm. What other comments we got this we think? Richard says trauma has become so infused with our lived experience. Janelle says Yes. Oh. Yes, that's my whole thought process on why we need new blueprints. We need a whole complete reworking about how we approach culture, which is the, which leads back to the question: If the revolution came tomorrow, are we still running while we laugh, or, as Janelle said, are we assigning definitions to new traditions, to old traditions, new definitions to old traditions, and how far can that go? Like laugh, running and laughing is one thing, but beating your kids. Laughing and running is one thing, but speaking English. I don't know. Laughing and running is one thing, but subconsciously moving to the side of the sidewalk when white people are coming? What do we do about straight hair? So many questions. So many comments. You, I read this. I read something. In my research of black hair, I found this out. The relaxer was invented by a black man. Not a black woman? Hmm. Black man, 1906. Wow. Three years later, wait, no. The relaxer was in 1909, three years earlier in 1906. 
who was in business for the first time? Was it Madam C.J.? Madam C.J. Walker, the original. You know, it's three Madam C.J. Walkers. Mm -hmm. It's the original Madam C.J. Walker. First, C.J. Walker is the nigga's name. Did y'all know that? (laughs) C.J. Walker is a nigga. Madam C.J. Walker is his wife. The OG Madam C.J. Walker was his original wife. Then there was some other hating ass bitch who was trying to copy Madam C.J. Walker, called herself Madam C.J. Walker. Mm -hmm. Then the original Madam C.J. Walker left C.J. Walker and she got, he got married again and she called herself Madam C.J. Walker. Isn't that crazy? Ain't that crazy? Ain't that crazy? Sure, it should be no surprise when you look on the TV, you see three of your favorite shows on. Don't ain't no surprise. It ain't no surprise. Because capitalism says you don't need originality. Capitalism says you can just breed. You can just produce. You don't even have to be connected to your production. Uh Uh-oh. I was reading, uh, uh, I was watching a video on Marxism yesterday, and it got me real excited. Got me real excited. Are you? Yeah, don't get me. I'm all right. Uh. (laughs) All right. It made me realize that maybe I'm living a Marxist life. The thing that as I terribly get ready to try to explain Marxism, this is going to be a terrible attempt. But the thing I feel like Karl Marx is trying to get at, uh, this Russian man from the 1930s who I feel like I have no connection to, but I feel like the thing he was trying to get at was that capitalism makes workers out of people who are divorced to their work. Mm-hmm. Whole niggas putting together cars and factories don't even drive. People at nine to fives, uh, um, putting putting in TBS reports, can't even do math. Like I wonder, and I hope this is not y'all when you get ready to go to your job, but I wonder how many people show up to work and are completely disconnected to the labor that they do. Yeah, I have no experience with that. Maybe my McDonald's days when I was 16. But I love McDonald's. Well, then I did. Huh. What other comments we got, sweet thing? Uh, Drew says, laughter was also a coping mechanism for oppression. The best comedians have serious issues and got people through with laughter. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Makes me think, though. Oh, who asked me? I think I was at the Let's Talk Bruh conversation this weekend. Shout out to Jeremy Herte. Just turned 30 this 30 this year. What a brilliant man. 31, I'm sorry. What a brilliant man. If y'all not watch, if y'all not listening to Let's Talk Bruh, especially if you are invested in, in divesting from the, the patri the patriarchy, if you are really serious about being a better black man, Let's Talk Bruh is a beautiful podcast. This is not a plug. This is just the truth. Listening, I was uh, with Jeremy over the weekend, and we were talking uh, just some hypothetical questions. And one of the questions he asked was, "What does paradise look to you?" And one of the scholars that he brought up, I can't remember who it was, but they said that black folks would have the hardest time trying to picture a paradise because we have yet to live in a situation where oppression isn't an issue. So we can't even our socialized minds can't even think to a place where we're not being oppressed. Hmm. And and I I agree with that to a certain degree because when I when I fantasize about going overseas and and traversing Europe or traversing 
the Greek Isles or wherever the fuck we want to go. You know what I'm most worried about, sweetheart? Yes, Being black. Yeah. Not American. Not getting robbed. Not getting sick. I'm most worried about being the biggest, blackest person in the room wherever I go across the globe. Minus Africa. That's what I'm worried about. Why was I saying that? Um, I mean, you were talking about... Oh, okay. So, 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 so... Uh, uh, as we are as we are uh, creating new blueprints, though, um, if laughter is our coping mechanism to oppression, what do we do with laughter after we are no longer oppressed? How do we laugh then? Hmm. What's funny then? Is there a current example of Afrofuturistic funny? That's a good question. Was it Chris Rock's tambourine, motherfucker, tambourine? It wasn't Dave Chappelle's 856, 46, whatever time it took to kill that man. I saw, uh, or I heard a young lady, I can't remember who it is, but I heard a young lady said that she doesn't enjoy female comics. It was a comic that was actually on um, Brilliant Idiots. Um, she doesn't enjoy female comics, especially in the in the in the mainstream limelight, because female pom- comics talk about two things: they're the self-deprecating or they're talking about their relationship with men. Mm. She pointed this out. I wouldn't know. I don't think I watch enough female comics to make that observation. But if I'm using that same line of thinking, when it comes to black comics, what do we talk about? Are you asking? Yeah. Was oh. a, is, 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 is there a black comic you know who's black that doesn't talk about black subjects? subjects? Maybe. It doesn't talk about the intersection with oppression. Who's that? I was going to say Donald Glover, but he does, right? Yeah. Shit, Atlanta, is, Atlanta to a certain degree is a, is a conversation on race. That FUBU episode, man, that shit still one of the greatest television episodes ever seen. Let's keep going with the comments we think. He also says healing doesn't happen overnight. Janelle says, beating your children now is a conscious decision, and people argue with me about my decision not to touch, touch my child. It's wild. I support your decision, Janelle. Right. I really do. Uh, uh, to be honest with you, I think the only thing... <laughs> the only thing you do when you hit your child is teach your child how to lie better. Yeah. I feel like that's the only thing. Lie and hide their own emotions. Which is sad as hell, because they a child. What else we got going on? Nick, what's up, man? I met Nick at the Let's Talk Bruh situation. Hey. Hey, man. What's up, Yash? I got to get into the boot camp. My man Nick said something uh, really, that really, like, um, that really touched me. He said something to the effect of, He's a teacher, he does, and a father. He does every day. He does the work of giving, giving, giving to other people, which is great, which is fulfilling. But he has start to has decided to invest in himself. 
to do things that are specifically for himself and let that fill his cup. I think I'm gonna follow that. Um, I think I'm gonna follow that logic because that shit is a uh, shit is great. My man said he in boot camp. I'm not in boot camp though. What up, Yash? Good morning. And uh, Oblivion. Oblivion. There you go. <laughs> uh, there you go. I thought uh, I said Oblivion too at first. <laughs> This is a lighter right there, sweetheart. On the couch. And a little book if you see it. What? The little the little book with our with our topics. What else we got going on here this morning? Got the laughing bear. Oh! So currently my least watched clip on Instagram is me talking about being in the paper. Which is funny because I, not really funny, but expected because I don't expect people on Instagram to watch me be excited about the newspaper. No. That seems very oxymoronic. Yeah. Um, but yesterday, uh, Misha, Gary, good morning. Good morning. Yesterday came across some news of a wonderful example of generational wealth. Has anybody ever heard of Ulysses? What's this nigga name? Hold on, I gotta look it up. NBA player. Name is Ulysses. Uh Bridgman, Ulysses Bridgman <laughs> from the 80s NBA. Anybody got a trading card? Anybody got a jersey? Who you play for? I will, I'm about to say, I will give you $4. I will I will cash app you from the official Hawaiian Bay with BMO. Cash app. Yeah. Shababa. If you can tell me what teams Ulysses play for, and if you Google it, I'm going to smack everybody in the house, but not the women, so just me. Okay. And the plants. Are the plants female? The ones that are flowering are. Right, I hit all the nigga plants then. No, nobody can tell me. Because my man's he only played for a few years, but he decided to take that money as we dissolve the myth that athletes don't know how to use their money as we dissolve the myth that athletes are going broke, right? Because uh, I seen Jermaine O'Neal. He ain't playing the league. That nigga looked great. <laughs> Jermaine O'Neal looked like he ain't, he ain't missing for money. But as we dissolve those myths, Ulysses Edmond, retired from EA, uh, bought a whole bunch of fast food restaurants, invested in his money, grew his money, had some kids. Ulysses Edmond. Bridgman. Bridgman. What'd I say? Edmund. My bad. <laughs> I don't even know that nigga name. Wait, is it Bridgman or Edmund? You said Bridgman at first. <laughs> oh. See, this white people want to be on the show because, you know, we can't remember just too many drugs. Bridgman <laughs> had some kids, though. Here's the fun part. He had some kids. Y'all know, y'all remember a little magazine called Ebony and Jet? Y'all remember these magazines? John Johnson, one of my heroes, one of the original black publishers who decided that 
in order for blackness to grow, there had to be physical, physical examples written on paper. I don't think y'all know how important that is in the digital world. Physical examples written on paper that could be distributed to people's home that give them a, a published, polished look of what black life is. All my fellows on the call, we all I got to say, page 44, Jet, you know what it is. You remember page 44, Jet, you know what it is? It's yeah. the Jet Beauty of the Week. Yeah. Call me a horny teenager, but when I was growing up in Midwest Missouri, I didn't get to see beautiful black women all the time. I wasn't just walking around the campus of Howard University. It, did just, it, did, it just didn't happen. So that when I saw beautiful black women, it wasn't like something I seen that was exotic. I had examples. Ebony Magazine, Bachelors, 40 Under 40. I'm not going to be a bachelor, but it was always my goal to be 40 under 40 under Ebony. Why? Because Ebony recognized black greatness. I mean, the name of the magazine is Ebony. This is before the porn industry took over the word Ebony to talk about black people in porn. Ebony is older than Ebony. Yeah. Um, are the screens freezing? Is it just me? Is your screen freezing, dude? And I guess... I guess it's them too. Oh, okay. I don't know what it is, y'all. Maybe because I'm giving out too much of the good. Also, at the same time, maybe my camera quality might have been too good this morning. Look at this. You see this? You see me moisturized, frozen on the screen right there? Good Lord. Mm. That's a good looking man. Um, what y'all want me to do? What you want me to do? Is it like, am I froze, froze, or I just keep freezing? Y'all let me know. You know what this means. What? We say this every time Instagram is fucking up. <laughs> but I'm you know what trying this to means. figure out what we're still waiting on. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Is it me? And I, am I the one that's scared? Yeah, why are you scared? I don't know why I'm scared. I don't know why I'm scared. What were we just talking about? Ebony. Ebony Magazine. Jet Magazine, in, 20, in 2019, it was heartbreaking to watch them file for bankruptcy. What was even more heartbreaking was to watch them endure the slow death that happened to all print. Uh, uh, it was very sad to watch what happened to Jet Ebony Magazine, the same thing that happened to all print. It died. Print died in 2007, 2011. When niggas thought they could get away from the printed word, but as we can see, magazines and newspapers are coming back into sale, going back into to, into into high selling uh, um, situations. And as we can see, and I told y'all last this, I don't know if you remember this, but I told y'all last this, magazines is coming back, physical media is coming back, analog media is coming back. I told y'all, y'all better listen to me. The daughter of Ulysses Edgman, what's his name? Bridgman. Bridgman. Jesus. For a whopping, and by whopping I mean sarcastic, $14 million, his daughter has bought Ebony and Jet. Two things here. Two things here. 14 mil? That seemed low, don't it? Yeah, for both. And the archives, too. That's it. And I feel like, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, Geronimo, if you here, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like Ebony or I feel like it was actually Essence. I feel like Essence sold their back catalog photos to Getty. I think. 
uh, uh, we had a we had a we had an episode on here a few months ago. Where we were talking about how there's a lack of black nostalgic content. When you look back in, um, there's a reason why when you look back at old pictures. One of my favorite examples is a picture of Diana Ross and Michael Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, I think, is like 19 at the time. Diana Ross, and they're supposed to be the top two performing. Uh, black folks in the country and this picture that they take and they look the fuck terrible. You know what picture I'm talking about? Where they mm-hmm. make up look fucked up, the color in the picture yeah. is weird. Like they just look really bad. And the reason why is because they didn't make products for black people. That includes two prong makeup and also film. Yeah. They didn't make film that was good enough to capture black skin, especially in the dark. So essentially our archives, if they're not black recorded, black and white, Gordon Parks-esque, if they're not coming from that history or that tradition of a black perspective or a black viewpoint, they look trash. So when Essence sell, I think it was Essence, might have been Ebbing, when Essence sells its catalog to Getty, we essentially have a black archive that you can pay into and get, but we essentially have a black archive. There's a way that Gladys Knight can get paid for the pictures that she took 60 years ago when people use them. Only thing we got to do is just keep, keep invigorating the name of Gladys Knight and hopefully people will go buy the image of Gladys Knight. It probably won't happen, but still a thing. Anyway, the new owner, daughter of former NBA player Ulysses Bridgman, Eden Bridgman, 34 years old, with inheritance money, $14 million to buy Ebony and Jet. Her intention is to bring Ebony and Gent, the print magazine, back into the digital world, new refreshed image, millennial perspective, prints when necessary, et cetera, et cetera. Let me ask you a question, lady in the house. Are you subscribing? Why not? Sure. Are you? hmm? Support. You support? Yeah. All right, for sure. What's up? No, nothing. Uh-huh. That's all I had to say. Okay. I'm just really excited. I'm really excited about the the thought of first off, when you print something, there's permanence there. Yeah. There's permanence there when you print something. Like it's real. Don't get me wrong, as we are on Instagram, what we are doing right now between you and I, it's a very real experience. But man, if we was in person. If I was in your hands, what did Q say? What my magazine? It's on the way. We hoping to have the first magazine printed by winter, winter day one, which is December twenty first. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The, yeah, December twelfth is fall. Ain't that crazy? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, December is winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we gonna do a dirty magazine. What's on your mind, lady? House, you got anything you want to talk about? I mean, I got a burning question, but we we just started blunt. So. <laughs> you got a burning question. Well, go ahead. Well, do I have any questions from the voicemail? I don't think I have any voicemail questions. You can ask your burning question though. Okay, so I'm kind of tying this into Ulysses Bridgman. Yeah. 
and him passing down his wealth to his daughter. Yeah. He's still alive, by the way. Yeah, right, right. Um, I know you've heard about Dr. Dre and his 38-year-old daughter. No, I have not. Oh, you have? Okay. Well, his daughter is homeless, and she's been living in her car. You know Dr. Dre is a billionaire, right? <laughs> why she living in what? Why? Because, okay, so apparently he had been, like, supporting her up until, like, a year and a half ago, and he stopped, and now she's homeless and living in her car and won't help her out. Why do you stop supporting her? I don't know. I think she has kids, too, but I don't, I don't know. So, this yeah. This is Dr. Dre? Dr. Dre. You know that is, right? First off, shame on Dr. Dre. Shame on you, Dr. Dre. First off. Secondly, that's trauma. Ain't nothing but a little bit of trauma. Ain't a little, actually. That's trauma. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to tell you something right now. Let me tell you something right now. My goal is for my kids not to work. Exactly. Y'all shouldn't do shit. Y'all should be, you should be shadowing me from the age nine until I, until I die. So you can and take then, over. And then yeah. pull a succession and forcefully take the business from me. Right. That's what you should be doing. Not struggling. Would you want her to get a job? You are Dr. Dre. You are. <laughs> you going to go to your job and niggas going to be listening to your daddy's headphones. And your daddy's songs. Yo. Would you want to pull up the Wendy's? So yeah, my question was, how do you feel about it? <laughs> now, at the same time, like, if you're not doing nothing, the old Socrates parable of what a man is supposed to, what a person is supposed to do with generational wealth rings in my ears often. But there's still the responsibility of the person passing the wealth to pass the wealth. Right. Or at least educate them, give them the knowledge that they need to take over. Give her a chance, Lord of mercy. Give her, a, give, give her an agency or something. That seemed to be all the rave. Right. Start a creative house. Start a country club. You couldn't make her your intern? Like, damn. Assistant? You couldn't make her an authorized signing on a credit card? God damn! Right. No, that's that trauma right there. That's that trauma. Uh, um... Generational wealth is real, though. I feel like we should continue on this conversation. Yeah. Generational wealth is real because you can do it. Like, nobody's saying that you got to be granddaddy Trump and give your son a million dollars and he eventually come to president. Mm -hmm. But if you got a house, don't sell that house. Right. If you got some heirlooms, pass down that diamond. Right. If you got land, keep that. Keep that. Find a way to keep it and still make money. Right. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, they say, I mean, we've had this conversation on here. The black middle class doesn't exist. <coughs> Giving examples of how you can make $200,000 and if you support your family and have a college loan, then you are no longer in the middle class. That was an article. Wait, say that again? You can make $200,000 a year. Mm -hmm. If you support your family on a substantial level, have a college loan... You are no longer in the traditional middle class. You are in the lower middle class, scratching on poverty. What? There are reasons why there are doctors, black doctors out here making a quarter million dollars a year, paycheck to paycheck. I see it. I see exactly how it happens. I see exactly how it happens. 
I give this example all the time. I'm going to give it right now because it's my favorite example. Let's just say my grandfather fought in World War II, right? Mm-hmm. Um, after World War II, many of the G2 benefits that were given to white soldiers were not given to black soldiers. That included a housing credit. Right. So that means my grandfather, let's say they would have given him a housing credit. Let's just say they gave it to all people. I don't want to be white. So let's just say they gave it to all people. That means in 1945, my grandfather buys a house. My grandfather is an intelligent person. I don't think he would have sold the house. Right. My grandfather buys a house. He might not live there. He might tend it out. He might rent it out. Shit might get destroyed. He might build a new house on the land, whatever. But from 1945, my grandfather has a house, which means my mama got a house. Mm -hmm. So if it gets to her and we living in that house, that means my mother never had to buy a house. That means she don't got a mortgage. Right. More than likely, because my grandfather didn't have to get a loan to buy the house, he may have been able to afford her tuition. Mm-hmm. Maybe she would have went to Spelman without loans. That means my mother don't have my means my mother doesn't have a mortgage mm-hmm. and my mother has student loans. I remember the day. This is crazy because I was a conscious person. I remember the day my mother paid off her, her Spelman student loans. Wow. In your lifetime. In my lifetime. Wow. We were voting. Uh, we were voting for Barack again when they finished their student loans. Wow. Again. <laughs> yeah, we voted for him again, and he had just finished paying his student loans. Wow. Debt. Right. This is what. This is what I'm saying. This is. The, this is. This is the fair that the black middle class is to grow on. Now. Mind you, I've been blessed. My grandfather's cool. I feel like everybody in my family, you know what I'm saying? Everybody got a little cheese. My grandfather's cool. You know what I mean? He's cool, you know what I'm saying? He on Instagram. You can follow him, William Wynn. He over there. <laughs> he, he over there posting on a little on a little fountain or something, you know what I'm saying? You can follow my man's. Ain't no thing. I feel like everybody I feel like everybody doing all right. Everybody got a little cheese accordingly, you know what I mean? Uh 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 um but if everybody wasn't doing all right, if everybody didn't have no cheese, then this is where the black middle class disappears. Not only have these students loans, not only have these debts, not only do we have these mortgages now that have been hiked up because we've been redlined. Not only do we have all of these things that are happening to us, but now we got to take care of family too. Y'all go back and read the article. Just Google the black middle class doesn't exist. Shit is crazy. I forgot what I was talking about that. The question was what now? No, generational wealth. Generational wealth is real, though. We, you and I, some of y'all here, some of my Wake and Bake and Nights, I feel like we are in a position to actually create generational wealth. To create practices in which our kids and our next generation will be able to build upon the finances and the resources that we have attained in this lifetime. Right. And I'll tell you, the first step is not a savings account. The first step is not a 401k. First step is your motherfucking mentality. The mm-hmm. first step is you overcoming the thought process that the next generation has to work just as hard as you. They don't. Right. The point is to evolve. And the point is to evolve. And sweetheart, we done seen poverty, baby. I don't want my <laughs> kids to see this shit. Man. We done seen poverty, baby.
but we gonna be all right. Hey, <laughs> you don't want nobody else to see this. Dr. Dre should be ashamed of himself. No. I don't give a fuck what she did. Okay, I, really I, don't yeah, care. I was gonna say, yeah, because <laughs> he really was supporting care. her and then yeah. he stopped. If she stole from me, maybe. But it's like, why still. are you stealing? But I don't know if I cut you off to the point. And then you living in your car, girl. Come on. You my daughter. Come on, you my daughter. You got at least you got at least live in the basement. Right. <laughs> right. You got at least live in the shitty house. Right. Or something like I put you the, up in the house in the ghetto or in somewhere. The house or some yeah. Shit. yeah. I got a I got a building in the project you can stay in. <laughs> Damn, not the car with your babies. Should I read that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Akila says, what if she was under his wing? What if she was an intern? What if she wasn't willing to work? He's just supposed to continue giving handouts. Yes. He's a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. If Dr. Dre is giving money philanthropically, but his daughter's living in the car, that's some bullshit. Also, I'm also thinking about like, I know we're not talking about white people, but like, you know the white heirs and heiresses. Yeah. They don't have to do shit. <laughs> What's Chelsea Clinton doing right now? I don't know. <laughs> what the Bush twins doing right now? I seen more George Bush <laughs> in the last two. In the la- I've never seen these twins. The last time I seen these twins was on the cover of a tabloid yes. in '04 in a grocery store. <laughs> and they ain't living in no car. <laughs> what are the Bush girls doing right? I really want to know. <laughs> I really want to know. Aren't they the Dixie Chicks? Is it, the, in my mind, the the, the, uh, the Bush twins are the Dixie Chicks. Not the Dixie Chicks. I mean, they're daddy and artist, so. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. The Bush girls ain't got to do shit. <laughs> right. What are the children of the Heinzes doing on the color green? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. What do we do? We the dumb ones going to work. <laughs> Thank you. <man. laughs> what the fuck? We the dumb asses out here laboring. What you say? Whack. We're not teaching our youth anything with that. I mean, you, I mean, here's the thing, Keela. You and I come from a headspace where education is kind of like the key to the next step. What I'm saying is that people who are already at this next step they don't give a fuck about education. Yeah. They don't give a fuck about politics. These are all things that can be controlled. Watching that documentary about the college entry shit, mm-hmm. it wasn't the, the system made sense because the thief understands the thief. I get everything that man was doing to recruit new kids. I get the whole system. I get him bribing people. I get him flying state to state because you got to keep up the lie. The thing that blew my mind most about that situation was the entitlement of the people who paid. Right. The way they spoke as if it was just like, I'm going to go cut my grass 
talk to Marlon Wayans, scam the college entry, have a sandwich and go to bed. What I'm saying is on the other side, on the other side of this, what Dr. Dre could be teaching his daughter instead of the financial literacy, as you just said just now, Akilah, uh, instead of the financial literacy in the theoretical space, the financial literacy in the real space. Okay, yeah, you, right. you, 30, you, threw, you blew through 30 mil. All right. You 37. I'm giving you $2 million for the next year. Mm-hmm. Grow it. Right. What's 30 mil? My father gave me his 1997 Pontiac GTP for my 17th birthday. He drove it from South Carolina to Tallahassee. I remember when he bought the car. It was his favorite thing. He used to drive the car for no reason, as I drive my car now for no reason. Looking back on it, I remember the day he dropped it off, he had a tear in his eye. I thought it was because he was proud of me. No, it's because he was relinquishing mm. the thing that he loved the most. <laughs> <laughs> but he got another car? Yeah. Dr. Dre's 97 Pontiac could be the $37 million that she blew. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Is- oh, I'm sad that you blew it, but I'll get another 37 mil? Yeah. I'm Dr. Dre. <laughs> Apparently, we keep going in and out. Mm. That's why I think people keep uh, yeah. dropping out. That's all right, because we're recording the whole situation. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's the internet. It might be the clouds. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I just feel like, okay, you are the child of somebody who's already made it. What is, what is your role? Like, do you have to, you know? Right. Can't you just be? Can't you just learn? But you do you have to also make it? Right. Do you have to also make it? Great point. Great point. Um, I think we have a trouble. Pull it up on your phone real fast. I think we have problems. I'm gonna pull it up on mine. Let's see what we got going on. But I'm gonna keep talking. Because that's the thing to do. is to continue speaking so that you find on my phone. Well, never mind. All right, y'all. Well, I'm going to let everybody else go. Um, we're going to troubleshoot this thing. I think I'm going to release the whole episode via IGTV. We're going to troubleshoot this thing. So I will see y'all on Thursday. Thank you for joining me with Who Way Make We Be Mo. Yeah.